The following sermon was delivered by Associate Pastor Reverend Werner Ramirez in the sanctuary of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with us every Sunday in person or on live stream. For details, go to FAPC.org. And now, here's Reverend Werner Ramirez. Reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, starting at verse 1. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is this child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and we have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him, and calling together all the chief's priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah were to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it has been written by the, by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is the shepherd to my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time where the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for this child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. When I was in seminary, one of my favorite professors was Reverend Dr. Kenda Creasy-Dean. And it actually feels really weird calling her that because she might be the only professor I know who cringes at her formal title. At Princeton Seminary, everybody, and I mean everybody, just simply calls her Kenda. Kenda is a brilliant theologian, and she's known for asking her students this question. Where is God? If someone turned in a very well-written essay about the new and innovative ways to do ministry, she would ask, where is God? It was in one of her classes that I wrote a paper and did a presentation on the theology of craft beer. And she said, Warner, where is God? <laughs> PhD candidates defending their dissertation, whether they are doing research on the New Testament, some old dead theologian, or exploring the newest hermeneutic, or the ethics of faith-based ecological work, whatever it may be, you can almost guarantee if Kenda's in a room, she will ask, where is God? Now, what you need to know about her is that she's not doing this out of a, ah, got you kind of moment. You forgot to mention God. No, Kenda is doing some mind Jedi kind of stuff so that you can take a moment, take a step back from the work that you've done and look for the ways that the divine has been at work. It's brilliant. Kenda knows all the hard work that you've done. And with the biggest smile, she invites you to look at that same work and to be in awe of all the ways that God pushed something forward, or the ways that love protected something or someone to safety. 
Her question of where is God is an invitation to reflect on the ways that God has been present and that perhaps we have missed. So let's look at our epiphany passage for today. Here we see the Magi, these astrologers from the east, come to Jerusalem looking for a child to be born king of the Jews. And they ask this to no other than King Herod. Now there's already a lot in those first few sentences. These wise ones from the east is fascinating because this means these astrologers were not Jewish. They are Gentiles. Yet something in the cosmos is telling them that something in the world has changed that they needed to come pay homage to it. These astrologers participate in curiosity. They see something different in the stars and they chase after it. So they find King Herod and King Herod believed himself to be the king of the Jews. And when they asked them about the child who was born to be king of the Jews, he feels threatened and schemes a plan and lies to these astrologer guests and tells them, you know, when you find him, can you come back to me and tell me exactly where he is so that I may also pay homage to him? But we know the rest of the story. We know what Herod really wants is destruction and power. Yet the Magi find the Christ child and they adorn him with gifts. And the scene must be magical because Jesus was a poor baby in Bethlehem and is being practically worshipped by these fancy wise people from the east. They are in awe of the child. Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, you insist of making the case from a theology from the underside of history. A theology from the underside of history. A phrase made popular by liberation theologian Gustavo Gutierrez. Theologian and pastor Carmelo Alvarez writes, The God of the king persecuted child is the God hidden in poverty, yet sought out by kings from the east and so reveled in honor and dignity. And then they are warned in the dream to not return to Herod. So in an act of resistance, they leave for their country in a different direction. So as we revisit this passage that we know so well, we ask the Kenda question. Where is God? Take a few seconds. Where do you see God in this passage? There is so much to choose from, but there are two things that I want to highlight that came to my attention as I read this time around. The first is that already the Christ child is making the table wider and more inclusive. These astrologers do not share the same religion as Jesus and his family. And yet something in the cosmos brings them to them and invites them in. God is always in the business of including all of God's children. The second thing I noticed was the last sentence. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country on another road. We know that Herod had plans of destruction and genocide. And in this instance, a dream led the Magi down a different road. Perhaps a tougher road back home. Perhaps the new road they had to take was much longer. Perhaps it was more dangerous and more risky. Perhaps it was more expensive. We don't know if there were tolls. So I have to wonder, in our day and age, in a world torn up by violence, war, revenge, and hatred, where is God? And is God speaking to us in our dreams? 
I don't know the answers to all the hardships going on in Gaza, Ukraine, gun violence in the United States and our border crisis and violence around the world, but I'm begging, I'm begging God to give his dreams and point us towards a different road rather than the current one of destruction that we're on. There have got to be better ways that imagination and love can lead other than hatred for our neighbors and love for power. And if the options of imagination love are out there, and I believe that they are, I'm sure those roads will be tougher, riskier, and economically tougher as well. But perhaps this is where our dreams should lead us in order to worship the Christ that is hidden in poverty. These are two examples of where I saw God at work in this passage. So again, I ask you the Kenda question. Where do you see God? At youth group, we go around and everyone shares their rose, thorn, and bud for the week. The rose is the high of the week, the thorn is their low, and the bud is what they're looking forward to. And their answers vary each week from thorns of too much homework or a crazy schedule, or roses of a good thrift store find, or their favorite team won the Super Bowl or something like that. But Rose, Thorn, and Bud is such a holy time at youth group because it's a time that we look back at our week and we ask the Kenda question. We ask, where is God? We remind each other that God rejoices in their passions and that God is sad with them when they hurt. So friends, ask yourself, where is God? We are now in this third year of our Star Word tradition. I've been trying really hard not to call it Star Wars, but star words, if you look at your bulletin cover, there's a star with a word on it. And this word reminds us of where God is active in our lives. In a sense, these words give us a lens to reveal where God has been, where God is, and perhaps where God will be. Sarah will give more instructions during communion, but it's important to know that you do not choose your word. The word chooses you. My word last year was passion. My wife's word was endurance, and her word is taped onto our desk at home. And last week she saw it, and she thought about Augie's birth story, and she knew right away how God was present with endurance this past year. I got an email from our church friends Chrissy Wojak and Andrew LaRue. They told me how Andrew got the word create, and Chrissy got joy. So they mashed theirs together, and they got create joy. Life has not been easy for these two this past year but I've had many great conversations with them and it's clear to me that God has created joy within them. It's absolutely beautiful to see. They're actually live streaming from Florida right now, so hi to them and all our friends on, uh, that are online. Now, you're going to hear from Sarah Rogers and Thomas Pack about their words from last year and how God has been present in their lives. Sarah? Hi, everyone. My name is Sarah Chung, formerly Sarah Rogers. <laughs> And my star word for 2023 was appreciate. And let me tell you, I certainly did not appreciate my star word when I selected it from the basket. And a little bit of context for that time, uh, this time last year, I was at the height of planning my wedding. And in January 2023, I had found myself navigating the wedding industrial complex, real thing, job pressures, and the complex dynamic of being the first in the family to get married. And this star word made me so mad. 
Because to me, to be able to appreciate anything means having perspective on that situation. And how the heck could I appreciate anything when it felt like I was in the center of a high-pressure whirlwind every day? So I stuck this on my mirror, and every day for the first six months of 2023, I questioned why God had pushed this one into my hand. And then something changed. My husband Steve signed us up for dance lessons. And something you should know about my husband is, is that in addition to being the light of my life, he loves to dance. And my FIA friends might remember him dancing like there was no tomorrow at our FIA prom last summer. And if there's a dance floor and a DJ, Steve and I love to boogie. And Steve really wanted our first dance to be special. So every Wednesday evening, the entire summer of 2023, we would go to the Fred Astaire Dance Academy and take our private dance lessons with Slava. And then we would walk home. And on our way home, we would talk about our day, our worries, our stress from the wedding, stress from work, life, to-do lists. And slowly but surely, I began to appreciate our Wednesday night routine. And I began to appreciate the process of forging a new path together with Steve. On the rainy day of our wedding in September, surrounded by family and close friends, I delighted in every moment of marrying my husband. I appreciated the joy of our loved ones, the camaraderie of staff and guests on a rainy wedding day, and I appreciated the first dance. Because in addition to all of the special times practicing, you all should know, we didn't tell anyone we were taking lessons. And so it was a complete surprise, and it was the best thing when we were dancing to hear the crowd slowly realize, oh man, they can really dance. <laughs> so I don't know if I would have really appreciated the year of wedding planning if God hadn't put the star word into my hands last January. I had to trust that God was present in the whirlwind and would help me find peace in the process. Thank you. Uh, in late 2021, as I was contemplating my own mortality in the midst of COVID and the sorry state of the New York Giants, <laughs> it's come full circle because they, they were in a sorry state, they got decent, and now back to the sorry state. Anyway. I came to the conclusion, as did many of my contemporaries, that I would retire, effective the next spring, in 2022. In the meantime, sometime in the early part of 2022, uh, Reverend Speed proposed uh, the idea of a star word in one of the services. And I remember, remember thinking to myself in a somewhat patronizing and condescending way, that's a cute idea. <laughs> in any event, Meredith and I decided we were game, and so we both pulled a uh, star from the basket. I looked at my word and I thought to myself, not so patronizingly or condescendingly, hmm, that's actually a pretty appropriate word for me. Now I bet you're wondering what that word was, but I'm not gonna tell you. Not yet, I'm saving that for a dramatic effect. In any event, after a long and fulfilling but increasingly demanding career in the law, I retired effective April of 2022. The timing of my retirement also co coincided, not coincidentally, with me rolling off the Board of Trustees of FAPC. Up through the spring of that year, I had served as a trustee for six of the prior seven years, including terms as President, Vice President, and Secretary. And the one year that I had off in the middle, I actually served on the nominating committee. And so I was ready to be done, done with work, done with church responsibilities. Uh, I was looking forward to spending significantly more time to devote to my favorite activities, such as traveling, fly fishing, going to a museum to see a lecture at 11 a.m. on a Tuesday. Like, I always wondered who does stuff like that? And, and now I realize it's me, so. 
And then right after my retirement, in, in May of that year actually, uh, just when I was looking forward to my life of leisurely adventure, Kelly Picayo, who was at the time our Director of Communications and Development, uh, reached out to me. So I was actually somewhat used to communicating with Kelly uh, because during the prior program year, I had served on the Development Committee where she had been the church staff liaison. While serving on the Development Committee, I remember thinking to myself, how brave and noble were our pledge co-chairs that year, Hannibal and Philip Ma, and how sorry I felt for them. I mean, it's one thing to be the, you know, it's one thing to be on the committee and have to badger people for money. It's quite another thing to be the public face of such badgering. <laughs> by the way, I think I saw Matt in here. By, by the way, Darby and Matt, you guys are doing great. Yeah. <laughs> so, of course, so of course, Kelly called me to ask me if I wanted to be pledge co-chair for the coming program year, with the 22-23 uh, program year. Of course, my initial reaction to myself was, nah. But I didn't want to be immediately dismissive out of my respect and regard for Kelly and my love of the church. Um, also, there was a tiny kernel within me that maybe actually wanted to say, yeah, maybe. Uh, so I told Kelly that I needed to think about it and I had to consult with Meredith and I would get back to her soon. And that's kind of a standard operating procedure if you want to put off giving someone a, a negative answer, say, I, let me talk to my spouse about that. Uh, <clears throat> the next day, I was sitting at my desk in my home office and pondering this decision. I was still strongly inclined to say no. When I, I literally looked up at my bulletin board, which is about eight feet from my desk, and I saw this bright blue star. I, you probably can't read this, but it, the unmistakable word on it says volunteer. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, well, well, Werner, that's where, that's where God is, right? On the, yeah. um, so I thought to myself, okay, there you go, there's your answer, and I volunteered to be pledge co-chair. And I couldn't have been happier with, this, with that decision, and I couldn't have been more blessed with that decision. Uh, I was blessed to be paired with a fantastic co-chair in Dora DePew, and Meredith and I have been blessed to become good friends with Dora and her husband, David. I was blessed to get to know so many of you, the members and supporters of this church. Uh, I was blessed to know that I helped the church fulfill its pledge goal, and I was blessed that so many of you thought that I was a brave and noble person and felt a bit sorry for me. So you never know how a Star Wars can guide you and even inspire you. And that's my Star Wars story, and I'm sticking to it. Thank you. Friends, take some time. Think about your Star Word from last year. Or if you didn't have one, think about the past year. Where was God? Was God in your grief? Was God in your joy? Was God in a stranger? Where was God? And now a new year's project. As you get your star word for this year, may you feel something in the cosmos change like the wise ones from the East did. May you follow that star 
And may you see God at work. Friends, may you go following your star. May that star remind you today and every day that you are loved and through the grace of God, you are enough. Amen. We hope this sermon has been meaningful to you and given you a measure of hope, encouragement, and good news. If you would like to make a donation to support this audio ministry, please visit fapc.org give. Thank you and blessings to you on this day.